Merry Christmas and happy holidays from the Stronger Business Podcast team. And welcome back to another episode where today we are discussing the price of entrepreneurship. So please welcome author, consultant, and entrepreneur, Stephen Ajay. And please welcome back our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going worldwide today with the podcast across the pond. Our guest today, he's in England. He's an author, a poet, an entrepreneur, a founding partner of a consulting company. He's a business owner. There's offices in London, Dubai, all over the place. He's got more going on than you, Chad. Man, I tell you what, we're going, I don't even know how much we're going to learn today, but we're going <laughs> to talk about paying the price of entrepreneurship today. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're going to find out. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Stephen Ajay. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be here. And I'm really, I feel really privileged. Thank you. Did I, did I get guys. the last? Did I get the last name right? Did I? Nail well, it? spot on, mate. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. I love it. Just, well, a, man, just a little bit to go with accents, but you're good. <laughs> so it is around two o'clock here in Georgia right now, and if I'm not mistaken, it's like nighttime where you're at. Yeah, right? it's seven p.m. I'm, I'm in I'm in Plymouth. I'm in the southwest of, of England, in a lovely city by the by, by the sea called Plymouth. Nice. Steven, I was telling Chad earlier, so Steven sent me a message on LinkedIn. It's like, hey, I'm going to be on the podcast with you gentlemen tonight. Looking forward to it. And I was like, tonight? Oh, what? What's going on? I was, oh, yeah, that's right. He is across the pond. It's a different time zone. Right? Yeah, I'm across the pond. I'm across the pond. <laughs> I think we'd have uh, more fun with this podcast if uh, we were recording it at night on our side. I think we may need to rethink that a little bit. Oh, so I kind of like that. We're like... We'll do our podcast at 7 p.m., kind of after dinner with drinks. Yeah, after hours with Josh and Jay. Yeah, you know, we are. <laughs> I love that. Oh, well, man, thank you for joining us. We're excited to uh, learn all about uh, some of the things you've experienced in your entrepreneur journey and growing businesses and consulting. And and yeah. you're there's so much going on in your business life. And where do you want to start? Tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of, Where'd that start for you and what's it look like right now? Cool. So um, I, I am a pharmacist by training. Um, I, was, I was born in, in London, um, in the UK, which is about four hours from here. But my parents took me back to Africa, in Ghana, which is a, a little country in, in, in West Africa. Mm -hmm. um, so I took me back to Ghana when I was five years old and I, I lived my entire life in Ghana. Um, I got my, 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 my pharmacy degree in Ghana and then I came back to the UK and the beginning of, of, of this decade, so 2000, 2001, I came back to, to the UK and I trained to be a pharmacist. Um, by that, then I had no intention of being an entrepreneur. Uh, I moved to a lovely city, Plymouth, by the beach. I had a lovely job, lovely cushy job, you know, um, had a lovely home, um, wife, lovely kids, you know, the whole, the whole nine to five thing. <laughs> but you have, I continually had this crutch, you know, and I, it just reminds me of my little, my little dog scratching on the door every day you know it was just scratching in my in my heart every day that i needed to do more um so one night i remember it very well i was, I was home and i told my wife i'm gonna go to and do an mba she said what are you crazy why would you do an mba what's the problem what's wrong with you man um is it, is it midlife, midlife crisis or something but i said no i've had this scratching for me for four years and i can't i can't deal with it anymore i'm just gonna do it so i just lobbed into into warwick 
Warwick is, is one of the top 10 universities, um, um, MBAs in the world. It's one of the top in the UK. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had to do something more. So I, I went to, um, to Warwick, did my MBA. And at the end of the MBA, I had an idea. I thought, right, I'm going to start a company called Blue Cloud. And I'm going to go into Africa and do healthcare investments. So that was the plan. Um, I did all the research. Uh, by then, it was around 2011, 2012. Africa was booming. You know, there was there was people were rushing into Africa. There was democracy taking hold. Uh, my country, Ghana, was booming. I thought, this is it. I, I've got it. I've, I've got it right there, nailed on. So I started a company. And the first three years was great. You know, I made lots of money, traveled around the world, um, did lots of deals, and everything went wrong on the third year. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I just went bad. Yes, it went horribly wrong. So in the third year, we we signed a deal for a $60 million hospital in Angola. Um, Angola had just become the uh, Africa's third richest country. So we signed this, this mega deal. I thought I was going to be a millionaire after two years after leaving my MBA. I was well, I was over the moon. I thought, this is it. Like, this made- business stuff is easy. I should have been doing this my whole <laughs> time. I thought, what's all this, what is hustle about? You know, I, I couldn't understand all these guys that were saying, oh, things were hard. I thought, no, I was cruising, man. I was just living it. Um, so then we got screwed big time. Uh, the guys we did business with went behind our backs and they screwed us up. Big time, we lost everything. I went bankrupt. Um, and my wife gave me a poke in the eye. I said, I told you so. Should have stayed with your with your with your job, she said to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I lost everything basically. And then um, I also we 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 had been we had business in Dubai, everything went bust, I went bankrupt, and then on top of that, the stress uh, got to me, I developed epilepsy. Which meant I crashed our brand new car, the brand new lovely um, car, crashed it on my on my way, um, end up in hospital, and then I had no paycheck for the next ten years. Um, so things went 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 right from that to that. Holy cow! So, but luckily, I was like I said, I was a pharmacist, so I, I just plugged along with the nine to five, trying to revive the business. But I had rejection after rejection after rejection, and so. On the ninth year, I was just about to give up. I thought this is not going anywhere. This is this is screwed. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to make it. And then, to top it up, I lost my sister, my my only sister. She just died suddenly. She was in Ghana. She just died. We got, she was fine in the morning. And then I had a call from my mom. I was I was then I was then waking up um, in the morning. I was in Plymouth. Had a phone call from my mom that my sister was dead. I thought what. I was completely broke. I had no money to even take a bus to go to work. Um, somehow we managed to get some money together, went and buried my sister. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to come back and need a, a lead a very quiet life, nine to five. But I was over my head in debts because of, of the business. But on the very last day, I was about to come back and I had a phone call from a multi-million dollar drugs company. And, and that very day, the day after I buried my sister, I signed a $1 million deal and that put me right back on track and that oh, took 10 awesome. years and, and it was i mean that was the end of the road for you like i'm going back oh, no, no, no. I, I thought this is it i'm done and on the very day i was gonna i was about to fly back to, to, to the to uk we said it we sent a, a million dollar deal and that put us right back on on on, 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 on track so 
Yep, that, that's how, that's that's the that's the based on my story. Um, and I thought if I'd given up just a day before, I would have been an entrepreneur by now, and this book wouldn't have come out. So, so that's how that's how it came out. So, so your your book's titled "Pay the Price." Is that in reference to what you experienced during those hard times and what entrepreneurs go through, or is that title referencing something different on the business side? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's linked together. So basically, I I found out after my experience, I obviously went out, did lots of. I mean, Africa is 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 the world's biggest entrepreneurial continent. So I'm not sure they know, but I mean, so Africa is by far the the, the biggest continent for entrepreneurs. So everybody, most people are entrepreneurs in, in Africa. My father was an entrepreneur. My mom is an entrepreneur. Um, and then I came back also to the UK. And the story was the same. There was failure upon failure upon failure. Loads of people were failing. I mean, like I said to you before, ninety percent of businesses fail in the in the first ten years. So I went on a mission to find out why are we failing? Why are businesses failing? And I did a lot of research, um, and I wrote loads of stuff in my journal. And I thought I had I, I didn't I had what you call the imposter syndrome. I thought, who am I to write a book on entrepreneurship? I mean, there's there's Jim Collins. There's all these huge guys. I mean, who am I? This little guy from Africa to think I could write a book on entrepreneurship. So I had, I had, I, I, I had a journal. I'd written loads of stuff in my journal. Did lots of research, and I was thinking, should I write a book? Should I not write a book? And then one day, something happened, which triggered the whole thing, uh, which is really strange. I mean, I, I don't know, but it's really, really strange. So I was upstairs um, on this day. I remember, I remember the day very well. It was twenty first August. 2021 uh, was a, it was a Saturday morning, I think. And I was hoovering. I thought I was going to be a, a nice husband, you know, um, a modern guy. I mean, do some hoovering and stuff. So I was cleaning the house upstairs. And then suddenly I had a massive epileptic fit on the top of the stairs. So I fell on the stairs. I was unconscious and I crashed down the stairs into, in England, most of the houses, I'm not sure it's in, in the US, but in England, most of the, of the houses have radiators. As you enter into the house, the first thing that you see is a radiator. So I crashed into the radiator, badly injured my back. I was unconscious. I was foaming at the mouth. My my wife was screaming. My kids, well, I have two kids. They were screaming. I mean, things were... But I went to do this. I don't know what it was, a trance. I don't know what it was. But I saw myself holding a book. And in that book, the title was called Paying the Price. So when I came to, I thought, this is a sign. I mean, I don't know what you believe in. I thought this is like I, I have to write this book. So no choice at that point. No choice. I thought I'm, I'm going to be dead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out. <laughs> so I sat down the next day. I obviously went to dress my wounds. I, I was badly, badly injured. I had lots of bruises everywhere. I was, it was, it was a mess, you know. Um, but I went upstairs to dress my wounds. The next day, woke up in the morning, took my pen and paper, got scrivener. Started, I mean, within four months, the book was done. Obviously, it was brewing me for a long, long time. So it just came out. And within four months, the book was written. And that's how the book came to pass. So it's it's a bit strange how it happened. But yeah, that's it. That is a crazy story. So you're at the top of the stairs. Yes. You have an epileptic seizure. You fall yep. down the stairs. Your family's yep. freaking out as they should be. Yeah, and then as you come basically to some sense of normalcy or consciousness, yeah. you're like, "I got it." <laughs> the book yeah. is pay the price. It's about entrepreneurship. Yeah, I'm supposed to write it. Yes, and then Basically. within 48 hours, you got a 
pen in your hand or a pencil in your hand and you're writing words on a sheet of paper. You're rolling yep. into writing this book. So, wow. So it's a it's a miracle right now you're alive. Not because yeah. of all that you went through, because my wife would have killed me right there on the spot yes. if that had yes. been my answer when I came to. <laughs> Believe you me, my, my had a lot of, of issues. My wife was I mean, she thought I was crazy. She always, she always thinks I'm crazy. I, I don't know why she's still married to me. You know, she thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> but somehow we've been married for 20 years. And um, but I tell you what, that nearly broke my marriage. She nearly went, she nearly walked out because she thought she couldn't see, she couldn't understand how I could go through all this stuff, go all through this hustle of Africa, all this issues, sickness, crushing, I crushed two cars, lost my my, my everything couldn't afford money for a bus, everything, and still wanted to continue the journey. She couldn't, she couldn't get it. And up to now, she still doesn't get it. But you know what it's like, you guys are entrepreneurs. There's always that 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 thing there, you know, there's always that thing there that, that won't let you go. It's like a little thing, and it it annoys me still. Um, but it won't let you go. So I thought I best I, I just gotta go with it and roll yeah. with it. So, so we call it the entrepreneurial curse to some degree. Yeah, you know, it's like it, and, uh, there's a line in a song. That one of my favorite songs. It says, uh, "Every blessing comes with a set of curses." You know, and I think I know that song. Entrepreneurship is a blessing, it, right? But it does come with some challenges. Is that Switchfoots? Yes, Vice Versa. Yes. Name of the yes. song. Yes, that's crazy. You know, that's my book. This whole book, I've got Switchfoots in it quoted throughout the book. You just sold like at least ten copies. Just uh, to the <laughs> you just you got ten copies. That's amazing. No, I you know that. absolutely love Switchboard, and that's and that what you said. Vice versus is quoted in the book. Look at that, see, Chad. I'm telling you, hey, I this, told you, Stephen. This, this microphone this knows. Is where I just sit back and I don't, I don't get to talk anymore because there's some like weird like cult thing going on here. This, this has happened second, before in a yeah. podcast, and yeah. I'm like, all right, I, I I can't participate anymore. No, I've been to see Switchfoots twice. They came to England. They went to Bristol. I went to see them. I spent the night with my son. My son was a big fun. So yeah. So, Stephen, you're gonna love this. Then this book is full of switchfoots. Uh, this is awesome. So yeah, Chad, just sit back and take a break, buddy. Uh, we had one other guest, Stephen, where we had like there was a switchfoot connection. It was uh, Eric Donovan. Now I'll connect you guys because you're switchfoot fans. You'll obviously hit it off. Um, <laughs> recently, here, like within the last couple of months, I took my my kids. I have three kids, and we took right. them to a switchfoot concert because they've grown up listening to the wow. switchfoot their whole lives. And so we go to this World, concert yeah. in Atlanta. And we get there a little bit late, and they're already playing. Chad, they were playing with uh, Collective Soul. You probably uh, know Collective Soul. Soul. Yeah, anyway. I don't yeah. Soul yet. So they're playing with the Collective Soul. But anyway, we walk in, and we go, we're going to find our seats. The concert's already started. And we're walking up to where our seats are. And so we walked all the way down these stairs. We were walking back up some stairs. Well, my kids walk by, and as soon as they walk by, Spotlight is, like, coming toward us. And it's John Foreman, the lead singer of Switchfoot. And he Seriously. walks by. and say, we're like, I'm about to go sit in my seat. And my kids have just walked by, and it's like, I high five him, you know, as he's moving by. And I'm like, my kids think that's what a concert's like. You're like, hey, you go to Switchfoot concert, you high five the lead singer, you take a seat. It was such a funny thing, you know, because it's like the chances are pretty, pretty slim. It's going to happen like that, but it was perfect. But so, that, so obviously that's awesome. That lyric brings a bell for you um, with again, blessing and the curse. But I mean, there's some truth to that, right? I was thinking walking into the podcast today, Steve, and I had this thought in my head, there's lots of jobs and that they're great paying jobs. I mean, you had one before as a pharmacy, great job, great career. You can make a lot of money. And I was just thinking about all the jobs that are out there where you can work. Honestly, a lot of some of them, you don't have to work nearly as hard as entrepreneurship. They're not nearly as stressful as entrepreneurship. And just thinking like, there just ain't one for me, brother. 
I mean, I, you know, your great jobs, more power to the people that have them, but there's something about chasing something and about that challenge of entrepreneurship that makes non-entrepreneurs think that we're crazy. And we kind of are, but there's just this, this challenge that we're, I don't know, we, I guess we're trying to figure out if we're up for it. Right. I mean, Chad, you'd say something similar there, well, right? Well, yeah, for sure. And I think it even looks crazier because here you are a pharmacist, dream life on the coast, nice house, wife, kids, every, I mean, people would kill to have that life, Absolutely. like kill. And so on some level, you feel kind of like a ungrateful ass to be like, <laughs> you know what? I'm throwing all this away because I'm like bored and I'm dying inside. It's like, I don't Absolutely. And, and I know, I know the answer before I ask this, but I still got to ask it because I want everybody to hear it. You went through a lot, dude. You, you, you made my pay the price, like look small. You've been, but at the end of the day, I assume it was worth every minute of that nine years. hundred percent, hundred percent. I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I, I know looking at, it, looking at it back at it now, I mean, I mean, I, I haven't told you half the stuff I've been through, but looking at it now, I think I will not pay, I'll not change a penny. No, I'll not change anything for it. I mean, the, it's been a crazy, absolutely maddened experience, but it sounds a bit crazy, but I actually loved it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though I, even though I crushed, I mean, I was looking at the pictures of my car. I mean, there was this lovely car and I, and how I walked out of that car alive is still a miracle. I just can't understand how that car, how that, how I, how I just walked out. I mean, obviously I ended up in hospital, but. I had minor injuries, but that car was completely wrecked. And that would have been enough to put anybody off. But you have that thing there and it, it won't go. I, I can feel it now. I'm speaking to you now. It, it just won't go away. And yeah. you just you just had to. I mean, I know some people, I know you can bury it. And and, and I know people that have, have buried it. They've just look, buried it. I'm not doing it. But sometimes you just think you've got to go. I, I just got to go with it. You just got to, you, you just have to roll with it. You know? And yeah. I so it's funny as you're saying this before, Stephen, you said that while you're, you know, working your job, as a pharmacist, living what we would call on this side of the pond, the American dream, you know, is what yeah. it sounds like. I don't know what you guys call it in the UK or what they call it in Ghana either. But, you know, you're good. You got this life that people would desire to have, but something in you is saying, I'm meant to do more. I'm meant for something more. Now, Chad, I can answer the question why with the knowledge I now have is that you may have listened to this song on the original Spider-Man movie soundtrack. And there's a song by Switchfoot called Meant to Live. And it says, we were meant to live for so much more. He kept listening to that song, and now he, you know, yep. that, that launched his entrepreneurial dream. You should listen to more Switchfoot, Chad. That's what we're trying to yes. tell you. They beautiful like it's dangerous. They beautiful let down. So they beautiful let down. That's the album. They beautiful let down. That's the album. Yeah, that's basically my favorite song is "Dare to Move." It says there's a tension between how it is and how it should be, between who Absolutely. you are and who you could be. This is a Chad Brown song. You should listen to this. <laughs> so dive into the book, then, Stephen. I mean, take us from there in all seriousness, because you do like have this crazy moment where you're like. Oh, you know what? Could have died just then. Writing a book. Let's do it. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about paying the price. Let's dive into the book because the people that are listening to this, that are the entrepreneurs, they know like all the stuff we just talked about. Yeah. They're like, yes, yes, yes. I, yeah, I'm crazy like that too. That would be the thought I would have. They're they're resonating with what you just described because they have that that crazy in them too, right? And so, can you walk us into the book, man? Tell us about like what was what's the story that you're telling and pay the price. That for you on this near-death experience, you were inspired to write this. Walk us right. through the book. Okay, so basically, I, I, I realized after lots of research and, and, and my own experience and talking to people and reading lots of stuff, I've read a crazy amount of books on, on entrepreneurship. I mean, literally hundreds. I realized that actually entrepreneurship goes in three phases. Okay, and I, I tell them in the book, the honeymoon phase, 
the formative phase and the legacy phase. Okay, so that's how I've termed them. And they all have three different things that you go through, okay? So the honeymoon phase is the first thing that every entrepreneur goes through, okay? And it's, it's the person, the purpose, and the passion, okay? So for every entrepreneur to succeed, you must have these two things in place. Now, the person means that you should know who you are as a person, you know? I mean, I mean, and and I put a bent on it on being ethical. So um, I, I broke into into five things. But basically, you should know who you are as a person and why you want to do what and who you are. Um, and I I put in three things. I I just there's one that I call the principle of the trail. So basically, every entrepreneur leaves a trail, okay. And the trail is how you treat people and how you treat and how you how you do your job, okay. So those things that's the first thing I call the principle of the trail. The second thing I need to go to is the, is the principle of call of stickability, which means that you need to choose where you where you are and stick with it. Um, the third thing is the principle of purpose. Okay, so you should know why you're doing it, and your purpose should be validated. Um, you should know why you're doing it, and your purpose should be validated. And and then the fourth thing, what I call is the principle of identity that you are a person and you are separate from your business. Okay. And the last thing is stewardship. Okay, so you should basically know that then what your your business is giving it's not given to you, but obviously you need to be a good steward of your business. So these are the five things as a person. Then person, you move to your purpose. Why are you doing this? What is the reason why you want to do what you're doing? Okay, and then and after the purpose, you go to your passion, which is you should have a desire, a, a deep desire to do why why you, to do what you want to do. So that's the honeymoon phase. Now, it is absolutely crucial that every entrepreneur nails down this honeymoon phase. If you don't have your honeymoon phase nailed down, you will fail. Okay, so this is what this is what will keep you. I call it what we call the camel's principle. So in Africa, obviously, in, in, in where you have the desert, you have lots of camels. You have a camel's hump. Okay, so the camels drink lots of water, eat lots of food, and blah, and they have a huge hump. And that hump is what is where they store their fats, where they store their energy. So as they go through the desert the hump gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So they feed on that hump. So as an entrepreneur, you have to feed on your honeymoon phase. That's why when you get married, you go to the Barbados, you go to Barbados, you go to Antigua, you go to wherever, because you live the honeymoon phase life as, a, as, a, as a, someone who's married. And hopefully when things get hard, you can remember that, oh yes, we, when we go married, we, we, we fall in love. I remember I had, to, I had to go through counseling with my wife because of this all this thing, we never got divorced. <laughs> and the first thing the counselor asked me, was how did you, how was your honeymoon like? How did you fall in love? It took us back to our honeymoon. The first one year that we had a love. I remembered, I thought, yeah, actually, we do love each other. And so we're going to, keep, we're going to give this a second, a second go. It's the same with the business. So that honeymoon phase needs to be nailed down. That's crucial. If you don't nail that down, you're finished. So do you think 90% of businesses fail because they just completely skip over this phase? A business owner Yes, because they, they, they don't. They yeah. see an opportunity to make money and to start a business and they just skip right to let's let's start billing customers tomorrow and performing service. And they don't know who they are. They don't know their purpose or why. They don't know their passion. It's just, uh, I need to pay my bills. Yes, or, 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 if they don't, or if they know it, they haven't taken time to really imbibe it. into. It should be part of your soul. You know, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should because like I, I'm going to what you call the, the formative phase. So the formative phase is, is three things. We have pain. You go through pain, your payoff, and your partner. So these are the three things of your formative phase. So the formative phase, the first thing is pain. 
and every entrepreneur goes through pain. Okay. And there are four kinds of pain that every, every entrepreneur goes through. Okay. And I've labeled them, uh, I call them the flag response model. So there's red flag pain. Um, so just hang with me on this. I'm not going to but hang with me on this. Um, so there's red flag pain, green flag pain, amber pain, and white flag pain. Just, just, just bear with me. Okay. So the red flag pain is the pain where you call self-sabotage. So when you when if your if your honeymoon face is strong, you will hit the pain. Okay, you will hit the pain. Whether you go through the pain or not is directly related to how strong your honeymoon phase is. Do, 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 do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So so let's go through the pain. So the so the first pain you go through it, well, there are four kinds of pain. Red flag pain is what are you what you call the pain of self-sabotage. Okay. Now I'm going to be real honest with you guys here. My red flag pain was pornography. When uh-huh. things went bad, when things went terrible, I just went to pornography, um, and it, it gave me a quick fix. Some people have alcoholism, gambling, procrastination. Uh-huh. That is a red flag pain, and that would just ruin your your your, your dream. Okay, if you're not careful. Okay, and I call it red flag pain because it's just red. You have to stop it. Okay, when when you're driving, you get a red a red a red light, you stop. You don't try and go beyond. You're just gonna get a crush. So sometimes when we start, when, when we hit the pain and we have this red flag pain that we have, we tend to that, and that would ruin you eventually. I mean, um, eventually it will ruin you if you don't stop it. Okay. And then you have what you call um, the amber flag pain. So amber flag pain is the pain of waiting. Okay. S- sometimes things take time. It doesn't matter how good your business is. It doesn't matter how much you, you've planned for it. It doesn't matter the market. The market. Some things take time, and sometimes you just have to wait it out. Most entrepreneurs I've spoken to who are really successful now, averagely, had to wait for a decade, ten years, and that takes you back to your honeymoon. If you don't, if you don't have a strong passion, you don't have a strong purpose, and you, you don't go to the five principles of, of being a person, that waiting game. You would you would stop it. I had to wait ten years before I had my first paycheck. Okay, and that's why it's called amber. Amber, you wait. When you when you're driving, you get to an amber light. You just have to wait. You can't say, "Oh, it's amber. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to go through." No, it's amber. You have to wait. Yeah, and and that's a pain that every entrepreneur has to go through. Some entrepreneurs are lucky; they have to wait for two two weeks, three months, and then they're gone. But most entrepreneurs have to wait for five, ten years without a paycheck. If your honeymoon period is not strong. You will make it basically, and you just fail. The third pain is what we call green flag pain. So green flag pain is what I call the pain of the observer. So that's what people tell you. Okay, people say, "Chad, your business is rubbish. There is no way this is going to work. You, you, you are just—it's not going to work." You, who, that, that person who are is you? me. That's the—I'm—I'm I'm the person telling him that all the time. It's not going to work, Chad. That's—that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. It, 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 it's not going to work. So rub it, rubbish is the polite term. <laughs> I'm trying—I'm trying not to swear, so I'm just trying to be polite. <laughs> There's a four-letter word we use here. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, yeah, rubbish I'm, is way, way better. That's way more kid-friendly. <laughs> I know Josh. I know Josh talked about switch foot, so I'm trying to be polite here. And not, and not <laughs> <laughs> so. Basically, it's what people tell you and what you tell yourself. It's, it's, it, it, I call it green flag pain because you just have to keep going. People tell you your, your business is rubbish. You go to an investor, they'll say, um, right, right, I'm not going to give you the money because your, your, your idea is crap. It's not going to work. That's a green flag pain. You keep going. You keep, you keep trying. You keep going. It's green flag. 
And then the last pain that you go through is what we call white flag pain. And I call it white flag because you surrender. Every entrepreneur has to go through some kind of unfairness, okay? My unfairness was that, obviously, um, two things. The first thing was that I had epilepsy, got epilepsy, okay? That really limited my 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 job as an entrepreneur because I couldn't drive, I can't drive, and that meant that anywhere I had to go, I had to rely on a, on a bus, a taxi, walk, cycle. I mean, I mean, I remember once I went to Dubai, and I live in Plymouth, which is four hours away from London. I got to Dubai, and came back to London that the, the next day, and I got to a train station. I got to a train station, the last train I'd left for Plymouth. Okay. So I had to I had to sleep at the train station. I had no money to be able to afford a, a hotel in London because I mean it was stupidly expensive. So I had to sleep at the train station the whole night, and then go, and grab the next day. And I was working the next day as a pharmacist. So I had to literally grab the train, sit up at the train station the whole night, wake up at five a.m. or well, sit at five a.m., jump into the train and go straight into the pharmacy for the next day. That's it's unfair. It's white flag pain. I've got epilepsy. Can't do it. Sometimes as well, there are lots of things. You could be a woman. Sometimes you're race, you're black, or you're Asian, or whatever. Or uh, so we all of us have something that's unfair to us. It's an unfairness of life. I lost my sister. I went bankrupt. Those things are unfair. You, but the way to work it out is surrender. I've surrendered to the fact that I may never be able to drive. It's worth for pain. Some entrepreneurs think, "Oh, this is unfair. I, I, I'm not meant to go through this. This is wrong," and they just check it all out and they, they stop. But it's white flag pain because you have to surrender to it, basically. Um, and and then you, and then you think, do I have to pivot? You might have to pivot because maybe what the disability that you have is not suited to your business. And this pain is where a lot of entrepreneurs fail. Um, and then there's also what you call a partner, where you have to choose a partner. That's also an informative informative phase. And then also what I call the payoff. Now the payoff, you had um, um a talk with Sally. I think who talked about specificity, about focus. Okay. So the payoff is focus. Okay. So once you are an entrepreneur, you have to, you have to be focused on one thing. Now, because you're focused on one thing, there's ultimately a payoff, which is where I quoted vice versus, you know. So I decided to focus on, on healthcare. That's it. That's all I'm doing. But it means that I have to turn some other things down. And that means that you cause offense. Once you begin to be focused, you begin to offend people and offense comes with entrepreneurship. Okay. So if you're a people pleaser, you want to make everybody happy, you can't be an entrepreneur because once you zero in on that, you're going to upset people. You're going to upset your wife, which I did many times. You're going to upset your friends. You're going to upset your partners. And that comes with the territory. So there's a payoff, which you, which, which, which Sally talked about beautifully in one of your episodes. So, um, and so those three things are what you call the, 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 the formative phase, your partner, your pain and the pill. I like that. As you yeah. go through all that, I've never heard it put that way. I think that's, I mean, that clearly describes all the things you go through in, in exactly that phase. And it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. You, you have to really want to be an entrepreneur. You have to really want to be a business really, owner. Really, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get through really all those different obstacles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I thought, if, at least if you know what you're, and that's why with the book, if you know what you're doing, what you're going for, then you can decide early. Think, right, this is what I'm going to be facing to some degree or other. Obviously, I got it bad. Some people are getting a bit better. I know people that have got it worse than I had. Um, are you going to go through it or not? But at least you have the facts in front of you. Um, and you don't have this 
this dreamy, ethereal thing of being an entrepreneur. You're going to have your own job. It's going to be all lovely and care. You're going to be floating in the clouds. You're going to have, you're going to have angels singing Kambala to you. And it's <laughs> still going to happen. So you will get there <laughs> and you'll be fulfilled. And I encourage I, I everything because I, I really do believe that most of the problems in the world can be solved by entrepreneurship. I firmly believe that. I, I'm a big fan of entrepreneurs. I, I, I 100% believe in it. But me, there is a price to pay. Let me ask yes. you two guys something here for both of you. Both of you are seasoned entrepreneurs, business owners. Do you think there's any business or entrepreneur that has survived a 10-year span that hasn't went through every one of these? I mean, I know for me with looking at it and again, Steve, I love what you're talking about for the the honeymoon phase. We hear the word passion a lot, but I don't think most people really know what it means. It's not like some energetic feeling. I mean, passion means that you're willing to suffer for something. And yeah. so that's, you know, at some point you're going to bump up against suffering. And if you're not passionate about something, you'll quit. You opt Absolutely. out, right? Absolutely. It's like, well, no, I mean, I like it. It's fun, but I'm not willing to pay a price for it. I'm going to quote some old songs here again, man. This is a music episode, Steven. You may know this one. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, Brian Good Adams, you. everything I do, I do it for you. You know, yep, the old song is about passion. Yep. He's saying like yep. all these bad, hey, I'd, I'd lie, I'd kill, I'd steal, I'd die for you. The, the, the meaning or whatever behind that song is like there's a passion that's to it. It's like, hey, I'm willing to struggle for this thing that I that I want to, you know, obtain or a challenge I want to overcome. And so now, nah, man, after 10 years, I don't know how you can't bump into a lot of challenges unless you're just, you know, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I started a business. I have no products and no customers. Maybe I can last 10 years without the pain and, you know, all that stuff with that. But no, nah, Chad, these stages that Steven is designing, you know, showing us that we go through, man, you've been in business for a minute. You're probably going so, through these phases. So this is one of the realest episodes we've ever had for aspiring entrepreneurs or people in the startup phase. Really? We don't, we don't know a whole lot necessarily we're still learning as we go as business owners entrepreneurs but we all agree to know one thing if you are going to be in business for 10 years you are guaranteed going to pay the price and you are going to go through the rubbish as steve describes (laughs) yes rubbish word of the the episode is rubbish (laughs) all right teach us more tell us okay okay Okay, so after the formative phase then you have what you call the legacy phase okay so there are four kinds of legacies that every entrepreneur can do, will do. Four kinds of legacies. Um, and they all start with peace. Um, so there's the philanthropists, which is a kind of legacy, which everyone, every entrepreneur, well, philanthropists. That's what you call the purists. Now, I'll, I'll explain, again, hang with me. I'll, I'll, I'll take it through all these again. So the, the philanthropists, the first one. The purists, the second one. The third one is the profligates. And the fourth one is the pathfinder. These are the four kinds of legacies. Every entrepreneur, eventually you end up with one of them. You have to choose which one you want to go through right from the start when you start your business. So let's, let's I'll go through them quickly with you. So um, the philanthropists, for the purposes of pay the, pay the price, is someone who is known very well for what they've done for mankind and not for the business. And I give I give four examples of famous entrepreneurs of them so that you know where you stand. So for a philanthropist, a typical example would be Jimmy Carter, um, which obviously the 39th, the 39th president of the United States. So Jimmy Carter was a rubbish president. Well, rubbish in the sense that he was, he was, he didn't do very well with the election. He was he was very unpopular 
Um, I won't say rubbish. That's that's a good word. He he wasn't popular, um, and he lost by a very wide, very wide, 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 very very wide margin, um, to Ronald Reagan, obviously, um, but he is very known, well known for the Qatar Center, and for the good that he's done in the world. Okay, now, for me, Jimmy Carter directly influenced my life as a Ghanaian, because Ghana was. Well, had had coups, you know, in Africa there were lots of coup d'etats and lots of 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 of, of uh, democracies being overthrown. And we had this president called Rawlings, who was um, who who just basically had a coup, and he was the dictator for twelve years. Um, and and one day, um, Bill Clinton this, they convinced him to stand for election, um, which he did. Um, so when he stood for election, um, people say it was rigged, but Jimmy Carter sent guys down to actually analyze the election. And, and he proved the election was, was, was real. And that gave Rollins the, the, the legit, legit, legitimacy to be a good president. Okay. So Jimmy Carter is a typical philanthropist. I mean, in that he was, he's known, if you want to talk about how popular Jimmy Carter was, it's his philanthropy, not his presidents. So basically a philanthropist is somebody who didn't succeed as a business, but still managed to do something good with what he had. Does it make sense? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so that's the first one. The second one is a purist. Okay, so a purist is somebody who is solely known for the business that they've done and nothing else. Okay, Steve Jobs is a typical example. Okay, so Steve Jobs is known for Apple and nothing else. Okay, you when you're talking about a philanthropist, you don't talk about Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs' legacy is Apple, and that's it. Okay. So a lot of good things have been said about Steve Jobs, but Steve Jobs didn't care about the environment, to be honest. <laughs> he didn't care whether, <laughs> he didn't care about the environment. He didn't care about diversity. He didn't care about, about pollution. He didn't care about anything of that. He just wanted Apple to be successful. And that's it. That's what we call a purist. Tim Cook has been completely different from, from um, I mean, now Apple is one of the greenest companies in the world. Um, it wasn't like that when Steve Jobs was there. It was Tim Cook that's changed Apple to so Apple is now much more diverse, it's much more friendly to the environment. They do a lot of philanthropic work. So Steve Jobs is a typical purist. The third kind of legacy you can have is what you call the profligate. Now the profligate has a wasted legacy, both in the business and personally. Okay, so a typical example would be Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, Elizabeth Holmes. Okay, so they've wasted their business. They, 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 they had a bad business and they've also had a very bad personal life. I mean, I, I talk about Jeffrey Epstein in the book as an example. So basically, he, he I mean, we all know what Jeffrey Epstein, what he did. He, he was a rubbish, really bad entrepreneur. He did a really bad business. He was really bad. And then he was also a bad person. You know, um, and that's the profligate. So and a profligate is somebody who hasn't dealt with his red flag pain. So if you don't deal with oh. your red flag pain, you will become a profligate. Yeah. So if I, I had to go to drastic steps to deal with my pornography, I had to get counselor in, I had to sign up, sign up for a, a company called Covenant Eyes, which is American, and they had to install things on my, on my software. And anytime I look at pornography, it sent a message to four counselors. And they'll ring me up and say, Stephen, what are you doing, man? I can just see you're going on pornography. And that kept me clean. That's amazing. So, yeah. So if you don't deal with the red flag pain, you become a profligate. Simple as that. 
Um, and then the fourth legacy, which we should all aspire for, is what we call the Pathfinder. So a Pathfinder has a good business and is also a good philanthropist, has done good in the world. Okay. Um, Bill Gates is one, um, which, which is a quite a, a popular one. I use um, um, someone called Strav Masiwa, who is an African, who, who built Econets. I know we've ever heard of Econets, but it, it's Africa's build, biggest um, uh, um, um, telecommunication service and fiber network in Africa. And he has educated 250,000 African orphans to become, he sent them all over the he gives them an education. He works with Bill Gates, he works with um, with Richard Branson. He's, he's a really well-known philanthropist and his business employs 2,000 people plus. He, he has a huge business. He's, a most, he's Britain's first black billionaire. Huh. So he is a pathfinder. Okay, so these are the three strategies. The honeymoon phase, the formative phase, and the legacy phase. And if you go through all these things correctly, that's when you say you're successful. And you need to, you feel like business owners and entrepreneurs need to decide where they want to end up in yes. these last phases in the beginning. Yes, yes from the beginning. Now, it, and if they don't, their, their chance of failure is increased. Is that? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Especially with the profligates. Okay, so sure. if, if, if you don't decide at the beginning of your journey, that right, I have a problem with gambling. I have a problem with 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 alcoholism. I have a problem with whatever whatever it is that you have a problem with. You need to decide right from the beginning that right, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to have to deal with these faults that I have now before I start. You, and you also you, have to think of success. What does success mean to you? Does it mean I just going to want to just make money and be rich, or do you want to leave a good footprint after you're dead, after you're gone? So, and that's your legacy phase. And that these decisions that you make initially will influence your success at the, at the end. Do you because you want yeah. a lot of people feel like they want to be a pathfinder, but they're like, I need to go make money first. And then I, and then I can be a good philanthropist and, and kind of balance both. Uh, do you see that a lot where people start out thinking they want to be one way, but they get too caught up in the money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I, 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 I think that you decide to be a pathfinder right from the beginning. So you do small things, you know, and it is easier to incorporate them into your life once you become big, you know. So if you want to be a pathfinder, I start by doing little acts of kindness in your community. So if 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 I live in Plymouth, for instance, okay, or I say that in in, in Accra, Ghana, okay, I walk past somebody who 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 is poor, somebody who is struggling. I help them. That becomes a habit that I start from right from the beginning. So that when I get to the point when I'm, I'm, I've made it and I'm, I'm a billionaire, I've already developed that habit. So it is easier then to become a pathfinder. But if you want to wait till you make the money, you, you don't just, these habits develop with time. And so that by the time you can become rich, I mean, if you read about Tim Cook's life, um, for life from when he was, he was young, even Jimmy Carter, wife from when he was young, and I've read their book. I did a lot. I did a lot of study on on, on, on Tim Cook, on 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 all of them, all the three, all the three guys, all the three guys, and they were. You could see from the beginning um, that they were pathfinders for life from the beginning. Okay, I mean, I mean, I mean, um, Jimmy Carter had black friends um, right from the time he was little. 
I mean, in those days, in the, in, I think it was in the 60s, he, he had friends, that, very good friends who were black. So that meant that when he became president, um, even though his presidency wasn't very, very good, he naturally fell into, into, into becoming a philanthropist because he'd, he started it from when he, was, when he was young. Same as Tim Cook. I mean, he, if Tim Cook uh, talks about when he was bullied and, and a lot of things that he did to, for, to help people when he, was, when he started his journey. And so when he became CEO of Apple, he'd already built those habits from the beginning. And so it was easy for him to, to look at people at, when Foxconn were going through the issues to help them out, make sure Apple was green, getting diversity because he already built that from the beginning. So you need to, these are things that we need to factor in before you start the journey. And then it's easier, it's easier then when you make the money to make right decisions so that you end up truly successful. Yeah, the decisions that you're making along the way will most likely continue to be the decisions you make when you have a bigger stage, right? Absolutely. But if you don't make any of those decisions when you're in the, the early earlier phases of business, you shouldn't expect that once you become extremely successful, you're then going to flip the switch and start becoming more philanthropic. So we know you have a heart that's philanthropic, then you'll be philanthropic with little the same way you'll be philanthropic with much. 100%. It's interesting you're saying this too, because I can think about uh, two people that come to my mind and I would call purist in this example, but would be um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They both knew like from early, like in high school, they knew like, I want to colonize Mars. And like, yeah. that's their driving passion is getting to space, you know, private enterprise, space travel. They've known that from the, from their high school days, everything that they're doing and developing Amazon, developing, you know, Tesla and all the things they're doing are just means to an end to get to that. So it's, yeah. they're not trying to, I mean, look, at I guess Bezos is a great example because his wife has given away billions and billions of dollars post-divorce. She, yeah. she must have believed and must have acted like a philanthropist from early on. Yeah. And that's not necessarily his story. Of course, all these guys give away some money, but, you know, it's just, it's different, right? So, yeah, I see how you can make these decisions early on because you shouldn't just expect that you get to choose one day. It's like, no, you're choosing every single day which one of these you want to become. Nobody's choosing option three. That's just a revelation of your character if you don't fix it, right? But for the exactly. other ones, you definitely get it. Like, oh, you, you know, you you create the opportunity for yourself to do these at higher levels as you succeed more, but you're probably doing it from day one. If you're a purist for your business, you know, you might be overlooking people from day one. And yep. in day 2000, you know, it's, that's just who you are. Uh, again, yeah, yeah. Using Elon Musk as, as an example right now with all the Twitter stuff. He's like, hey, if you don't want to like work 9,000 hours a week, then this ain't this job ain't for you. He's not concerned about their relationships. He's not, you know, he has no cares about their, their parenting. He's just like, we're going to build the best product there is. And if you will devote your life to it, you can work here. If you don't want to, here's a severance package. Absolutely. You nailed it. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. All right. And, uh, I could have pretty better. So we talked about the different phases here. We talked about, you know, paying the price. We talk about the entrepreneur curse. How does somebody know in the, say there's a pharmacist out there, how do they know whether they're ready to pay the price or not? How do they know? Like, is it just, man, I'm bored at work or like, God, I hate my life. What is, what is the scale of knowing whether you're an entrepreneur and you're ready to go into the honeymoon phase to prepare yourself to pay the price? Because <laughs> we all agree, no matter what you want to be here in the legacy phase, you're going to have to go through the honeymoon stage and pay the price. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And that's a, that's a very difficult question to answer because I believe that everybody knows inside of them that they want to do something bigger. 
Okay. Now I've met people and, and, and in my job as a pharmacist, I've met people that have done the same job for 45 years doing the same thing and they're perfectly happy. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Just that. Um, but you, I, I met someone today who, who is a Kurdish, who is, who is a refugee from Kurdistan. And all she talks about is food. Okay. And she she uh, she works with me. She didn't speak a word of English when she started. But now that she's started, she's always talking about food. Oh, I wish I could do it. And you can tell from what she's saying that she's an entrepreneur and she needs to go into the restaurant business. Now, I told her that today. Would she hit the call to do it? It depends. So I believe that everyone has that scratch. People that are, not everyone, people that are entrepreneurs have a scratch or many people have that scratch. It's whether you choose to hear that scratch, what I call a scratch, because I always think of my dog scratching the door. I don't know why that comes to my mind, but that seems to be, <laughs> that seems to be the thing because I, I, in my room, my dog used to come in and scratch my door and it's up to me whether I open the door for the dog to come in or not. If I don't, if I if I if I leave it ten minutes and it keeps scratching, I, I just ignore him. You think it's all right? He doesn't want me there. He just goes away and goes cuddles in his little corner. But if I open the door, he'll come in. So I think the same same thing with entrepreneurship, or, or doing anything bigger. I mean, not necessarily entrepreneurship, but because entrepreneurship takes, takes a lot of different forms. You know, of doing something bigger than you. You know, it's a scratch. Are you going to hear that scratch, or are you not going to hear that scratch? If you hear that scratch, there is a price to pay. Are you willing to pay that price? If you want to pay the price, then these are the steps I can guarantee you will go through. If you go through those steps and you're happy, yeah, go for it, mate. Um, um, if you're not, then obviously, by the way, there's a lot of things, a lot of things I've been talking about, validating your idea, how to validate your idea, how to choose your partners, how to pivot. So there are lots of things in there that, that I haven't talked about because obviously you can go on all day. <laughs> but I think that you have to be realistic about it. Okay, sometimes you can start a business and um and and the guy um, Melissa Melissa talked about it today. I listened to Melissa's podcast today and she talked about it. You can start a business today, you can change your mind and do something else because things will change. The reality change hits you. And I I, I use um, um an example in chemistry to ex explain that, which is which is which is called the Rutherford Goldfold experiment. And and Rutherford in 1905 in New Zealand. Um in the 1900s, there was a theory that of the plant pudding of an atom. So people people just thought that the atom was just a, a, a pudding. And you had all the electrons and everything all over the place in the, in the atom. So Rutherford said he's gonna, he wanted to test this theory. So he had this gold pleated thing, and he had um, uh, which is suspended in a vacuum, and he had a radar at the end which could measure the radiation. And he put something at the sorry, hang with me. You, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but he put this thing that shoots like electrons to this gold foil, gold foil thing. So most of the electrons that he shot through went straight through the gold foil and, and hit, 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 hits the end, which in business means that some people start with the business, they go straight through the business and it works fine. They don't have to change. Some of the electrons that he, 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 he shot hits something in the gold foil and went in, off in a di different direction. And in business, that's what we call pivoting. So sometimes you have an idea, it hits reality, and you have to pivot. Okay. Some of the electrons that he, alpha particles that he, he, he shot through the gold foil, hit something and came back to them. And that's quitting. Okay. Sometimes you can you can go to go, it hits, it hits reality and think, oh, no, actually, no, I don't want to pay the price. I'm going to quit. So that with a experiment, which I talk about in the book, tells you 
shows you that some people pivot and it shows you some kind or there's kind of there's six kinds of pivots you can pivot. And some people have to pivot depending on, on the situation, the idea. But again, it comes back to your honeymoon phase. If your honeymoon phase is strong, even if you have to pivot, you have to pivot in a way and still be an entrepreneur because your honeymoon phase is strong. Do you understand? If your honeymoon phase is weak and you hit something, it will come straight back at you and you quit. Yeah, definitely, definitely makes sense. Yeah. And I think for, yeah, yeah. for anybody that's in entrepreneurship already or business already, you get that. And, and the pivoting and knowing, yeah. you know what, it doesn't all work out like we think it's going to, it, it never actually works out like we think it's going to, but I'd rather be broke sleeping at a train station in the middle of the night then yeah. back at my nine to five, mm, uh, yes. uh, living the exactly. same job, the same exactly. day for the next 50 exactly. years. Exactly. And that's, exactly. I think that's where that itch comes in. And it's like, exactly. uh, exactly. it, you know, it's going to work every day, even though I have a nice house and a nice wife and nice kids and, and I live on the coast. I'm not living. It's not, it's not exciting. It's not adventurous. No. It's not enjoyable. I got more, there's more to it. And, exactly. you know, that's, you, that's you guys, you guys uh like a good uh song lyric it sounds like and there's uh an old songwriter poet and author Jimmy Buffett I knew once, this was Jimmy Buffett Jimmy Buffett once Jimmy. said I, I I'd rather die while I'm living than live while I'm dead and I think exactly. entrepreneurs going to work every day is very much uh you know living while you're dead what Yeah you absolutely man. absolutely I've met several entrepreneurs to be that dream about this life that they want. I mean, I, I know a guy who 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 is quite wealthy. He's he's doing his nine to five job every day. But you can tell when I speak to them, when I speak to him, that he's still not happy. He goes to work, comes back, and he just tells me, oh, "I'm doing it for the kids. I'm doing it just for the kids. You know, I'm just doing it for the kids." But you can tell when you speak to him that he's not. There's something more he wants to do, and he you can tell he wants to go to general. He can go. He wants to go to journalism. He wants to do something different. Ah, you can just can't do it. There's yeah, no that's interesting. You know, the, the, the great thing in regards to this episode, the the little shining moment I wasn't expecting, Stephen, is that you and I both, ex we expressed early that we were music lovers. We were quoting yes. song lyrics. And Chad knew in the end that he was the type of person that was also <laughs> going to quote one of his favorite musical artists, Jimmy <laughs> Buffett. He was going to be a song lyric quoter in this episode too. So Chad, I'm proud of you. I don't know if I've ever been more proud of you. Now, right now, your, your Jimmy Buffett lyrics bring them in, and they were like meaningful. They were they were spot on. They like brought them on. They were heartfelt. You knew who you were. You know what your purpose was. You, you knew what you were passionate about. Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville. You brought it all home, Chad. I appreciate hey, that. Hey, I tell you, you're talking about knowing who you are too, um, uh, Stephen. I feel like you'll appreciate this. Uh, uh, Twelve, thirteen years ago, my wife and I got engaged, and my wife is spent most of her life on the other end of the spectrum a very stable nine to five, you know, traditional type, uh, employee. I, I told my wife, I'm like, Hey, there's something you got to know before we get married and you got to be okay with this. I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I can promise you one thing. We're either going to be really rich or really poor. And I don't know which one, but there's not going to be this average like life where we increase 3% a year and uh, it, it works out on these stages. I'm like, we're, it's going to be a circus and either you're in for that or you're not. Cause I, I knew early on that itch was there and it, it's, it, it's, so you had, you had, you had, you had your honeymoon phase nailed down. 
Yeah, dude, how do you kiss dildo? <laughs> it is, but isn't that good though that he knew who he was, right? Like exactly. he knew going into his marriage, exactly. like, hey, just so you know, I don't want it to seem different. Like, this is who I am. Like, if you want to marry me, it's what you gotta, you're signing up yeah, for. This is, this is the ride you're 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 tall enough for the ride right here. This is and clearly, yeah, I can I can see for the spouse your face, um, Chad, that you're still happily married. So <laughs> <laughs> unless you have a mask on. Oh, it's hey. even work better. Hey, you'll love this. He's happily married about, I three, she about three weeks ago. My wife quit her job. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy now. Because now she's an entrepreneur. So oh, there you go. Oh, so, man. So, itch there all along. <laughs> That's right. Chad's a pathfinder. People are following him down the road to entrepreneurship. Stephen, as we wrap up the episode, I like to call it Land in the Plane because Chad loves it. Um, Land in the Plane in this episode. I don't know if we forewarned you of this or not. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a second here. But we always end the episode by asking our guest this question. We call it our max out moment. It's if you, if they didn't listen to anything else we talked about, if they don't know what Spotify playlist to listen to after this, because they haven't heard our song lyrics. If there was just one thing, Stephen, you were going to leave the listener with today that you felt like would help them build a stronger business, what would that be? Again, we call it the Max Out Moments, the Stronger Business Podcast. So this is the one takeaway that you could give to our listener. It could be anything that would help them, again, become stronger, be a stronger entrepreneur, build a stronger business. What would it be? Sort out your red flag pain. That's what I'll Ooh, say. That's good. Yeah. Sort out your red flag pain. Sort it out. Sort it out because it will ruin you. It nearly ruined me. And it will ruin you. If you don't sort out your red flag pain, it will ruin you. We read about last week about Elizabeth Holmes. The greed started from the beginning. It will ruin you. You're no different from anybody else. We, with as entrepreneurs, we think that we can get away with it, but eventually your red flag pain will catch up with you and it will ruin you. So sort it out. That's what I'll say. That is good. Amazing advice, man. And, and here's what I love about this episode. Entrepreneurship and business spreads across all countries, continents, mm -hmm. cultures, uh, whether you're in Ghana, the UK, the US, business and entrepreneurship, it, it spans it all. So uh, the relevance of all of this is what we're going through together all over the world. And I Absolutely. think that's really cool. Um, where can our where can our audience connect with you at? Where can they learn more? Where can they find you? So um, my website stephenaj.com. So it's just my name stephenaj.com, and and I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, up to on Facebook, I still struggle with Instagram and Twitter. I wouldn't quite figure it out yet, but I I, I have on it. <laughs> but yeah, my my website www.stephenaj.com has everything. Um, about me there it's probably the easiest way to find me and on there you have my Twitter links my LinkedIn links Facebook Instagram and yeah so that's probably the easiest way to find me awesome and all that will be in the show notes until next time my friends grow stronger and we'll see you at the summit if you enjoyed this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast be sure to leave us a review and share it with a friend you can find us online to connect at strongerbusiness.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Stronger Business. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you at the summit.